I think it's about identifying where you get your joy and what gives you energy. And I think being able to, and that's what I think that's why flexibility is actually really important and, and why your work is really important because people do have things that they need to balance. And just because you're a parent, it doesn't mean you aren't also a career person. And just because you're a career person, it doesn't mean you don't also have pursuits outside of work that you're interested in or that you want to follow. A very warm welcome to the Big Career Small Children podcast, formerly known as Leaders with Babies podcast. I hope that you are all really well listening to this today. My name is Felina Hefti. I am the CEO and founder of the social enterprise Leaders Plus, and I've set up this podcast and our award-winning Leaders Plus fellowship program because I really believe that we need to do more to support parents to continue to progress their careers and not just be in their existing jobs, but help them to thrive in developing their careers forward. I really don't think that having children should be should prevent you from doing that. And I do think, though, we need new role models. We need to get people in front of us who are thinking slightly differently, hence this podcast and hence the Leaders Plus Fellowship Programme. So today's podcast guest is the absolutely wonderful Jane Galloway. She is the founder of Quiet the Hive. And she is the head of flexible working at NHS England. We talk about choosing between setting up your own company and being employed by a big organization like the NHS and why she has chosen to do both on top of bringing up young children. And we talk about what she has learned through that in supporting individuals with imposter syndrome and actually just her own imposter syndrome story um, about how to deal with people who are against flexible working because let's face it there are still a few and generally about just you know how to be yourself in an institution where maybe not everyone is is like you um, as it were so I'm sure you're going to get quite a bit of inspiration out of her reflections and if you're listening to this in February 2022 then just to say that the application deadline for the fellowship is on the 1st of March 2022 and I really encourage if you're listening to this and if you have children either at primary school age or babies, toddlers, preschoolers, that you have a look at the at the fellowship program. We'd love to see lots of applications from the podcast. There's also financial support available, so it shouldn't be a barrier if you are in a financial hardship situation. The all the details on are on leadersplus.org.uk forward slash fellowship and it's a really great opportunity to connect with other parents who want to progress their careers who are willing to support each other so if you want to apply we really expect you to support others on the course and it's part of the selection criteria and you get a senior leader mentor who's been the same journey as you but maybe a few steps ahead and world-class support to develop your career uh, over nine months with small group sessions and so on so I think it's awesome and as you'll see from our social media, you know, many people <laughs> describe it as life-changing or life-enhancing. So yeah, do take a look. I would love to see lots of people from the podcast apply. And also, most people don't know is that we do have a group of this year, we have a group for international people. Um, it will work for time zones, East Coast, America, um, Europe, Africa, but also we will have hopefully a group for Southeast Asia. So if that applies to you, and I weirdly 
So in the podcast that's the other day, lots of people are listening from Iran. Um, so anyone who's from Iran, very welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I was very surprised to see that. But yes, you're very welcome to apply. Um, yeah, for the people who are based in the UK, you can choose between a hybrid version with some face-to-face and online content or just a online version. So take a look ageplus.org.uk forward slash fellowship and enjoy today's conversation with Jane. A very warm welcome, Jane, to the podcast. It is wonderful to have you here. Why don't we start with you introducing yourself and what you do for work and who is in your family? Thank you, Verena. It's so nice to be here and it's so nice to be chatting with you today. Thank you for having me. So I have two arms to my working life, really. I have a day job. I work, I have worked in the NHS for nearly 23 years. And at the moment, I am currently head of flexible working at NHS England and Improvement. So that's kind of my, my day job, my official title and the work that I do. And um, I also have a small business called Quiet the Hive, which is all about helping women identify a life they love and arming them with the toolkit and confidence to go out and get it. So those are my two strands of, of work. And who is in my family? I have two sons who are aged 11 and nine. And I have to remember that because usually they're only one year apart, but at the moment they're two years apart. Max and Will, who are a delight and a challenge and good fun and smart and brave and wonderful. And they consume the other parts of my life when I'm not working. Mm. And just practically, I'm interested. So do you work, I presume, being head of flexible working, you might be working flexibly with your NHS job. Um, I, I mean, how I, do you, how do you just, how is your life organized? I'm curious. So if I couldn't work flexibly, there'd be something seriously wrong, wouldn't there? So my, my entire team works flexibly, actually. So I work, um, compressed hours. Um, my two flexible leads also work compressed hours. And we have a part-time um, project support officer as well. So I tend to work long days, Tuesday through Friday, and I take a Monday as a non-working day. But it's kind of a misnomer to call it a non-working day because that's my quiet the hive day. So I started off working flexibly when I was, I think it was about 2015. Um, my mum was diagnosed with secondary breast cancer. My boys were small, uh, not yet in school. Um, so actually, maybe it was before 2015, 2013, actually, I think it was. And I just wanted to be able to spend more time with my mum, who lived in Swansea, and more time with the boys. So I would, I'd compress my hours. I was lucky enough that it was approved by my manager. Although, interestingly, when I applied for the job I was in, I had a different manager who said, no, absolutely, there's no way you can work flexibly. I was returning from my second maternity leave. I needed a job because I'd left a, a fixed term contract previously. Um, and I was turned down for flexible working. Um, a couple of years later, same job, exactly the same job, different manager who said, yes, you can work uh, compressed hours. So that was a, a really lovely um, thing for me. And at the time, it was about it was about being with my family. It was about being a mum. It was about being a daughter. It was about spending more time with my small children. And now I still work compressed hours, but that now it's not about caring or family. Um, it's about actually my side hustle and building and developing my own business. So it's really nice to be able to talk about why flexibility is important, why I have it, and actually being able to showcase that it's not just for women with caring responsibilities or young children, but it's actually for people who just want to work their lives in a different way. So that's that's how I work flexibly. That's brilliant. And 
I'm interested. So I have an image in my head, which may be absolutely wrong, but I have an image that you are working as part of a team that are super committed to flexible working and you're trying to influence people outside, you know, people in hospitals who've got lots of other stuff going on to try to change their ways. Um, exactly that. And I'm just really interested. And, and this is, so what have you learned? And, and if you can't add, ask this, uh, answer this question, please tell me and we'll edit it out. But what have you learned about convincing people of flexible working or of change needed linked to flexible working who are really not interested at all, who have got lots on and don't want yeah. to change? Yeah. So first of all, I think I should probably just mention that I am, I'm not here in my official day job capacity. So what I say is a reflection of, of my personal reflections on, on where we are and where we've been rather than representing any organization. But I think it is really challenging. I, I have a, there's, there's three of us. When I started, there was me and I was a team of one trying to influence 1.5 million people working in the NHS, trying to convince them that flexible working was the way forward. Now we're a, we're a team of slightly more people. So there's 3.6 whole-time equivalents between us. Really, the, the job of influencing comes down to, to three of us, but it's still influencing one and a half million people across the NHS who, you're right, there's, there's a lot of people out there who don't believe in flexible working with air quotes around the believe. They don't think it's right for the NHS or it's okay for admin staff, but it's impossible to crack at the front line. I hear so many stories on a almost daily basis on how, how we deal with flexible work in the NHS. And some of them are amazing. Some of them are really inspirational stories where people are thinking very differently, um, trying new ways of working offering different solutions to support their staff to work flexibly. And on the other hand, I hear stories where people are turned down for requesting very, very minor flexibilities. So, for example, um, I heard of a nurse recently who had requested to leave slightly earlier during her shifts in order to be able to pick up her children on time. Um, it meant approximately an hour and a half across a week that she would be leaving early. Um, it was turned down. Um, she was asked to uh, think about whether really nursing was the career for her if she couldn't commit. Another example of a nurse who came in, uh, a long-standing nurse who came in um, after a weekend off and um, her marriage had broken down, her partner had left. And she said, I can't work weekends at the moment because I literally have no one to leave the children with. I have nothing. And again, she was asked to think about how seriously she took her role because actually they couldn't support that. And I just think, you know, in a time when people stood outside and applauded the NHS for going above and beyond and how much we demand from our people who work in the NHS and how much they give willingly I think it's really sad that we ask them for flexibility, but we sometimes don't offer that in return. I mean, those are two cases. There are other cases out there, but for every one of those, you also hear about people who, like my brother, for example, I, I'm from an NHS family through and through. So my mom and dad both worked in the NHS, both my brothers do. My younger brother has a daughter, was offered the opportunity to um, step up into a promotion and said, I'd love to do this, but I need to work flexibly because I have my daughter on these days. 
And actually, I'm really glad that he remembered what I did for a job uh, because he rang me and said, I think you might be able to help me with these conversations. So I was able to, to support him to have a really good conversation with his managers. And they left with him able to accept the promotion that they'd offered him because they could, they came to an agreement that worked for the service, for the patients and, and for him as well, which is, is great. Brilliant. I'm curious, what advice did you give him? So it's about how to have good conversations. That's what's key about all of this. And that's why this is, it's really hard because it's not just, here's a piece of paper I can give you that will fix, fix flexible working. Go and do this in your organization. It will make everything better. It's very much a cultural shift. And it's very much helping individuals understand what we mean by flexible working, why it's important, why it's useful, why it's good. And there's a responsibility for all of us here, both as individuals who are requesting flexible working to think about how to have that conversation. For line managers to think about how to be open and creative and think outside of the box and know that they have permission to do this as well. Because quite a lot of the time, you know, we, we squeeze that, that sort of middle management layer are quite squeezed and they don't really know what is within their gift to allow or not. And when you wrap that up in, you know, staff shortages, the the pressure to provide safe and effective services, because that's the, at the heart of the NHS is looking after our patients. We need to make sure that we do that and protect our services. But with my brother, it was about helping him to plan to have a good conversation. So what, why do you want to work flexibly? And we've made some changes um, in the NHS, which are fantastic, which means you don't need to give a reason why, but it's really helped to think about what your why is. So why do you want to work flexibly? What, what's important to you? How might that look? So in an ideal world, what flexibility would you want? But then also think about what flex you have in that. So if you want every Wednesday off because that just feels like a really good day to have, is, is there a chance that actually you could make that two half days or a different day? Or you know, could you adapt to suit the service? And then there's something about thinking about what that brings to the organization. So if you request, for example, to work, compressed hours, so slightly longer days for three or four days a week, or whatever it might be. Does that allow you to provide a service outside of the normal operating hours that might then make it more convenient for patients, for example? So if you are operating a, I don't know, a triage clinic or something, does it actually help? Can you provide an, an, an extra service to your clinic or your rotor by being available earlier to try and do some of those for patients, for example, who might want to be seen before or after clinic hours, you know, normal running clinic hours. So it's about thinking about what the flexibility you're hoping for could actually offer back to the service. Mm, I so love that because it's not, a, I think we, we are going to shift our paradigm of thinking and that flexibility is not a, it, it should be an asset, not um, something that holds you back. I really love that way of thinking and I probably should say as well if, if anyone is looking for practical support and how-tos um, we have a checklist which actually I think you might have contributed to in some shape before for preparing flexible working requests on the website so should that be helpful um, to people and um, I want to just explore as well your own journey so you're from an NHS family and you've been leading um, really important work at the NHS London Leadership Academy previously you've done I would say you've you've had a really, you know, a career within an institution, if you don't mind me saying this. No, that's absolutely right. <laughs> um, I'm just interested in, and you developed this, this side hustle, which I know you are extremely passionate about. And I can imagine that you, the women you're working with are extremely lucky uh, to receive your support. 
I'm just really interested in your reflections because many people talk, you know, they, when they have children, they start their own business and then they become consultants or, or maybe they run, um, a business. Um, and other people decide to go for the institutionalized careers and, but you've done both. Have you got any reflections about, you know, what are the pros and cons to either or should we just all try to do both? It's a really interesting question. I quite often reflect when I'm absolutely exhausted, when I've had a long day at work and there's things I need to do for quite the hive and the boys need feeding and the house needs attending to and all of that. I do think, what the hell am I doing? I could drop quite the hive. I could just stop doing that. I don't have to do it. And it would mean that I could sit down in the evenings and do nothing and my weekends would be for me and my day off um, in the week would be to, I don't know, just go out and have leisurely walks and lunches and lovely things. But actually, Quiet Hive is where I get my joy. It's what gives me my energy. It, I find it fulfilling. It's so enriching to support women and see the transformation that they go through so, through accessing some of my programs or through me working with them or even just like, so I have freebies and things that you can download on the website and people reach out and say, I've just used this and it was brilliant. And you just think, Oh my gosh, that's so lovely. And, and I had a lovely email from someone the other day who I, I ran a, a workshop all about um, inner critic and imposter syndrome. And I had someone who sent me an email at the end of it saying, I've been fretting about whether to send this to you because I kind of think you must get this all the time and um, I've been really brave in reaching out to you but it's your class that's made me reach out to you because I'm I'm hearing my inner critic but I'm kind of putting her to rest at the moment and and I just thought oh my gosh she has no idea how much that email and the fact that she reached out and said thank you that just has meant the world to me and she worried and fretted about whether I would have time to read it whether it would impact whether it would mean anything so actually balancing it all although it's hard when you hear about the impact that you're making it's so important and it's so rewarding so I have chosen to do a lot I do have two kids I um, am I'm divorced so I am solely responsible for running the house for all of the pros and cons that 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 brings Um, I have the day job I have the side hustle. I have friends to catch up with. I have family who live in Swansea, so I travel to see them. So it is a lot, but I think it's about identifying where you get your joy and what gives you energy. And I think being able to, and that's what I think that's why flexibility is actually really important and, and why your work is really important because people do have things that they need to balance. And just because you're a parent, it doesn't mean you aren't also a career person. And just because you're a career person, it doesn't mean you don't also have pursuits outside of work that you're interested in or that you want to follow. So you you have to heart. I don't know that you can ever balance it, but you have to find the harmony. And in order to find the harmony, you have to find the things that give you joy. And we are a long time dead, aren't we? And it's, it's in the grand scheme of things, it's a, it's a short and beautiful life. Why on earth would you spend all your time doing things that don't bring you joy and energy when you can find pockets of it, which fuel everything else that you do? So I think it's important to find that harmony to make sure that you can do the things you love as well as the things you need to do maybe to pay the bills. That's very powerful. And I think I love that you're leading with the purpose and, and what gives you energy. 
and actually if you if you just sit quiet the hive it may well be that in the end you know you have to be you're just, just getting bogged down with hiring lots of staff and managing them and this that and the other and actually having both elements is so powerful and obviously with quiet the hive you get really quick wins don't you because you do get these emails which you might get Absolutely. with your NHS job but it's more of a tra- system transformation which is sometimes yeah. long-winded and I love that I love that balance and I also love the bravery of just saying yeah, I know that I have a lot on, but it's okay um, to do it. But I think in order to, to take a lot on, you also have to let go of that inner critic. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. And I think that finding your own rhythm and understanding how you work is really important in that because there are times we know that the inner critic, for example, if you're a, a woman um, and you uh, have periods still, we know that your inner critic is much more likely to trip you up when you are um, just before your period. So when your hormones are all really low, you're much more susceptible to your inner critic. You are much more susceptible to your inner critic when you are tired or hungry or when you're not feeling balanced. So there's something about knowing yourself as well and knowing how to ride your energy peaks and troughs and when to schedule things in that will help you to to manage, I think, some of those things. But yeah, I think it is so much about purpose, isn't it? And identifying what works for you and, and what brings you joy. And that's why that's why my side hustle is all about helping other people to do the same, to help them balance everything else that we have to do in life. Mm, very true. Very well said. And I now so want to collaborate with you on, on the, it sounds really yeah, interesting and actually evidence-based <laughs> around, around imposter syndrome because there's so much out there that is lovely but not actually evidence-based but it sounds yeah. sounds very interesting so uh, <laughs> we should definitely talk, <laughs> talk after this podcast interesting and so I think to set up your own business you do need to be quite confident in what you're offering that it is worthwhile have you always been confident in that or is it something that you've developed no definitely not so I can talk with with reasonable authority about the inner critic and imposter syndrome because I'm a long-term sufferer of it myself. So it's taken me a long time to get to being on the other side of that. And so people can come to my my workshops and they can be there for a couple of hours or whatever it might be. And hopefully they leave with some tips and hints and things, but you you don't fix it in in a short workshop. It's it's a, a journey over time. And actually you know, when you set up your, and you, you will know this, Rena, when you set up your own small business um, or side hustle or big business, whatever it is, you start by doing everything yourself, absolutely everything. So the journey through being your own publicist, your own web designer, your own finance manager, your own copywriter, your own course developer, you know, you're doing everything. So you have to get out of your own way because if you sit in front of your computer going, I don't know how to make a website, it'll never get done. So you just have to go for it and trust. I mean, I, I've been really, really lucky that I have been able to grow and develop alongside uh, two friends who have also grown and developed their business at the same time and slightly in parallel. So Carrie-Anne Wade from Cat's Pajamas and Lorna Reeves from My Oh My Events. You know, Lorna has been an absolute business mentor for me. And this is why we collaborate on the Awesome Women's Retreat. So we take away women who have an inkling of an idea that they just can't shift, that they want to turn into a side hustle or a small business. And we help them because I think what's really important, and I think this goes not just for for side hustles and small businesses. I think one of the things that we're sometimes not very good at doing as women, I think, 
is asking for help. We're incredibly good at giving help. We, we offer support. And I think, you know, this is, it's not just women, men as well. You know, we're very, very good at offering support and offering help and nurturing and supporting and encouraging and cheerleading other people. We're really, really rubbish at doing that for ourselves. We don't ask for help. We don't think about what we might need and put it out there. So surrounding yourself with a bit of a tribe, I think is really important. And think about who those people are that can help you. So when you are wobbling with your inner critic, when you are getting in your own way, whether that's through making a brave career choice, whether it's through making a brave choice in life, whether it's figuring out how to balance everything you're doing, having a tribe on your side can really, really help. And that's what's beautiful about your program as well, because it's not just about supporting parents through their career journey. It's about bringing them together as a group of people who they can they can energize each other. They can cheerlead each other. They can hold each other's hands and say, come on, of course you can do this. How can I help? What can I do for you? How are you going to get there? And challenge appropriately as well. So give people a kick up the bum when they need it. So having a tribe on your side, I think is so important. in all of this. I couldn't agree more. And that is also supported by research in that people. So obviously net, they're, lots of types of networks that might can impact on career progression. We look at this yeah. in the fellowship program, but one quite interesting thing in the research is that for women, um, having a small tribe that they really know well and that is diverse and that they, they trust and that makes a big impact on career progression. And that's not the same for men, surprisingly. But, um, and, and the, inter- the researchers don't know why. They said maybe it's because they experience more discrimination or microaggressions. So, um, I mean, it's only one study. Who knows how, how much it holds true in the wider sense, but, I think that's really interesting. And, and that's instinctively, that's why I've designed the fellowship as it is. So we really have those groups of 12 or 14 yeah. people who work together really closely and get to know each other really well yeah. uh, and becoming each other's tribes. Uh, I love that word tribe. I'm going to so borrow that. I think that's a, it's a good word, isn't it? No, it's so true. So I, I, my flagship program is the amazing women leaders and the whole point of it. It's based on the premise of we are not good at cheerleading for ourselves, but we're great at doing it for other people. So to get in the way that you have, to get a group of people, in my case, a group of women together who can really challenge and support each other, it pays dividends. You know, the, the results that we see from people being a bit braver, I think you're braver when you're with other people as well, aren't you? So you are more likely to just step out of your comfort zone a bit. And that's where we know that the growth happens. It's very true. Yeah. And it, it for me, it was completely unexpected so we do all these impact evaluations and ask them you know all these indicators have you become more confident have you are you able to balance work life and career better but that was really surprising and unexpected at first that they that was one of the things that people valued the most which it sounds like it's the same same for you um yeah interesting good map good minds think alike clearly absolutely absolutely (laughs) um i just want to talk to you about something else as well which is looks it's not not something i usually talk about but i do think it's still important because we all do make i think sometimes if you are you know in a work uniform or something like that then that's fine and you wear a helmet like some of our fellows work for a wind farm company when they go on a wind farm rig or whatever it's called they wear helmets and general outfits that workers there. Yeah. exactly exactly that's the one so you and i we met quite a few years ago because 
you were incredibly supportive um, when we set up Leaders Plus and when you worked at the London Leadership Academy, we, we did a project together where we developed toolkits for yeah. parents in the NHS coming back from maternity, share parental and adoption leave. And I remember every time I met with you to prepare this project, you just had the most brilliant outfits. And I remember, I really do remember your earrings as well. You had these brilliant, quite long yellow earrings and it just looked absolutely awesome. But many people are told, you know, to keep, to wear only subdued color and only wear business type outfits. And I'm just interested in your reflections on that. Did you go? Did you always dress like that, or did you go on a journey? Is there thought behind it, or is it just a joy of dressing? It's really, really interesting question. I've had a a challenging experience at work um, not so very long ago, uh, where there was a difficult relationship, and the person I was having that difficult relationship with at work did call me Pat Butcher uh, because of my large earrings. Um, which was quite in, an interesting observation. So um, I don't think you're the only person who's noticed the, the big jewellery. For me, so I think there was a conscious shift a few years ago, probably around the time of the Leadership Academy, actually, when someone would wear jeans into the office. And I remember thinking, hmm, is is it appropriate to wear jeans into the office? And I found myself challenging myself around my own thinking and thinking, actually, it really doesn't matter. She's still able to do an incredible job. She's a brilliant employee. She's really talented. If she was wearing a business suit, a pair of jeans, a pair of shorts, it really shouldn't matter because actually you're still the same person and you're able to do the job in a brilliant way. I have to admit that I, I love costume. I think I'm a bit of a magpie. So I love costume jewelry. I love big earrings. I love, I have a, a friend who came for dinner. We had a murder mystery party. She had to come as someone who was very OTT. And I said, I love your earrings. They're amazing. And she said, I bought them specifically for this because they were the most hideous ones I could find. You can have them. So I have these like disco ball earrings that she bought as a joke that I wear regularly. And, and I just, I love, I think that especially in winter, I think anything that reflects a bit of light and gives a bit of joy is something that you should welcome in. And I've been experimenting recently as well and noticing this about myself that don't save the things you love the best. So if you've got a beautiful dress that you love wearing, but you only save it for the one party a year that you go to that you think you can get away with that dress, don't don't do that. Don't save your best glasses for best. Don't only wear your sparkly jewellery on party days because actually it's much better if you use the glass and it gets broken. At least you used it lots before it got broken. Whereas if you kept it for best and you bought it out and the day you bought it out, that's when it breaks. That would be heartbreaking. So there's something about not saving things for best. And there is something, I think, as well, for me, about it being a bit of an armor. So I know when I am going to go and present or run a workshop or something like that, I do tend to go for a bright lipstick and some cracking jewelry because for me, it it gives me a bit of inner strength. And it's it's a really sort of, some people may think that's a really shallow thing to do, or but I think it's the same as dressing in a sharp work suit. You know, you do that because you're putting on your work persona, right? You're, you're stepping into the role. It's very, very hard to be different people all the time. So 
you should be able to bring elements of yourself, I think, into the way you dress and the way you present yourself. And ultimately, it doesn't make a difference. If you wear Pat Butcher earrings, but you can still do a bloody good job, then what difference does it make? So I am I am going to keep wearing those Pat Butcher earrings. I love it. And I fully support it. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm glad I asked you about it because I do think it's about being yourself, but also feeling feeling your very best. And actually, pe- what people will remember you, I, I used to remember you, the colour of your earrings, um, <laughs> which were absolutely beautiful so, from such a, such a long time ago. And that just means that you're making an impact on other people. And if that's what makes you feel good, then absolutely go for it. And and I'm um, I'm all with you, with you there. And I think if you look at the really, I mean, can I just say also the Queen? She doesn't wear very long earrings, but she, you know she's always coming in color. She's a very she's obviously a woman yeah. with a lot of authority, but she doesn't walk around with a black suit. And why so should true. we all wear the same? Basically, the you know uniform that was designed for men a few Absolutely. hundred years ago nothing against people who want to wear that and sometimes i really enjoy a, a very sharp black suit yeah. but actually just allowing yourself to be you uh, but to be an authoritative powerful you i love that and that's what comes across when i see you and i see you dressed you know dressed for, for work which is that's so lovely amazing. thank you verena that re- that's really really lovely to know and it's nice to know it does make an impact because it does make me feel good and it's it's nice to feel nice as well. It doesn't make you any less of a feminist to wear makeup or any less of a authority to wear big earrings. It doesn't take away from who you are. If anything, it just makes you have a bit of a calling card, a bit of a signature, a bit of a something that people will remember. And at worst, if things are going badly, they won't notice what you're saying because they'll be focusing on your earrings. <laughs> that is very funny. <laughs> I had in my notes to ask you about something else linked to flexible working to come full circle again, which was about the, just the term flexible working. I'm a little bit uneasy about it and I can't quite put my finger on it. And I just wondered you as head of flexible working, what you felt about the term. Do you think this term will be around in the next 20 or 30 years to come? What would you call it if there wasn't well, a name for it? Our vision, the vision that my team has, that it simply becomes the way we work. It, it isn't referred to as flexible working because actually it's so ingrained in the way we work. It is just the way we work. You know, the NHS runs 24 7, 365. There is no one who works, or at least there are very, very few people who work Monday to Friday, nine to five. It just, it, that's not how it happens. So I have heard people talking about working flexibly rather than flexible working. Um, we hear the terms agile working and smarter working and, I think it's just about getting a work-life harmony. I don't even like work-life balance, to be honest, um, because you can't ever really balance it because there will be times when work takes over. There will be time when home takes over. There's something about finding a harmony in the way that we live and work and finding good boundaries around both of those things. So I'm hoping that in... 20 years time and and actually i'm hoping in in 10 years time that you won't need a flexible working team working centrally across the nhs in england that we won't need policies around flexible working because actually it will simply be about helping people find the work-life balance they need and i heard recently of someone who i think is just it's a wonderful way to look at things rather than saying here's the role you want to come and work with us great here's the job this is what you need to do She flips it on her head. And I think this is what we all need to do is, oh my gosh, you want to come and work with us. That's fantastic. How can we attract you in? 
how can we make it work for you? And if that's a, I want to work one shift a week, great, we want you here. If you want to work full-time, all the time, regular, that's great. But it's about actually how can we attract and retain and respect the staff that we have? And in the NHS, you know, life is short, as I mentioned. We should know that better than anyone else in the NHS. And if we can't help you to find that work-life harmony and respecting that life isn't just about work and work doesn't have boundaries that don't seep into life and vice versa, then how do we expect to be the best people we are and the best place to work if we can't respect that for our staff? That is so well said. I can see why you've got the job that you have with, <laughs> <laughs> with se- selling it to other people in, in the NHS. Um, we've come to the end of our time and I would love to finish with you just sharing one or two practical things that someone who wants more work-life harmony, how you put it so beautifully, can do this week in their life. So let's assume they might have a flexible working arrangement, but it's probably not quite working for them and they want to change it to bring greater work-life harmony to their lives. So I would say number one is have a conversation. So don't be scared to talk to people about flexible working. You don't have to go in and say, I want to work flexibly. This is what I want. This is how it works. You can go in and say, I'm thinking about this or I've noticed this. I need some help with this. Can we just have a chat? So don't feel like you need to go through a formal process and that it all needs to be very rigid. Just be open to having a conversation. And if that's not immediately with your line manager, call upon your tribe or a work colleague just to test things out. The other thing is to really think about why you want flexibility and what it is that that looks like. And bringing it back to what we said around what benefits does that give your organization? Because I can guarantee it will give them benefits. There's something else as well, I think, and we fall into this trap sometimes in the NHS, is that not every flexibility is suitable for every role. But I think there is flexibility available for every role. So, for example, if you're a porter, you can't work remotely, but there's no reason why you couldn't do a job share or part-time or compressed hours or whatever it might be. Um, there are certain roles that will require you to be present. There will cert- be certain roles that mean you have to work set hours, but there should be flexibility within that. And I think it's about getting creative and thinking outside the box. And that means that you're not expected to have all the answers and your manager is not expected to have all the answers. So the more heads you can get together to think creatively, I think the more useful that can be. So don't think creatively, think expansively, get outside the box, but have the conversation. The more we're talking about flexible working, the more likely it is that it will become the norm. Love it. Excellent advice, as always. The people who work with you via Quiet the Hive are very lucky and the NHS is extremely lucky to have you and I can't wait to see all the change that you're driving in the future. Thank you so much for coming on, Jane. Thank you, Verena. It's um, been an absolute joy. Thank you for having me. And I should ask, if people want to find out more about your work, um, where should they go? Where, Where can they connect with you? So if you are interested in uh, me as Quiet the Hive, that's at www.quietthehive.com or at quiet underscore the underscore hive for the socials. 
um, or drop me a line at hello at quietthehive.com. Um, for the NHS, I'm on LinkedIn, so feel free to reach out, Jane Galloway on LinkedIn. And if you're in the NHS and you have an interest in finding more about flexible working, then we have a futures site. So you can search for NHS flexible working on our futures site, which those within the NHS will know about. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening today. I've really appreciated you listening all the way to the end. So hopefully that means you found it useful. As I mentioned in the beginning, applications are closing on 1st of March, but we haven't made any decisions yet about hardship front spaces. So if you need one of those, you've got plenty of time to get your application in. There's only one intake this year though. So if you do want to join then please apply now. It is for you if you have young children and if you want to progress your career. If that applies to you, then you should definitely consider applying. We're looking for people who are really keen, not just to progress your own career, but also to support others and be part of a transformational, really supportive community of peers who want to be the change for others, really, and, and not just drive change for their own career, but for the wider society. On a practical level, over the course of this nine-month fellowship, you will work with a senior leader mentor who has experience of bringing up children whilst progressing their career. You'll get support to develop your vision and plan for your career and family life in small group sessions. You get access to the latest research on what causes career progression and how to implement this practically in the context of looking after young children. You get sessions to support with really practical things like workload management, as well as workshops with your partner and your line manager, if you happen to have one, obviously not everyone does, and access to inspirational role models. And so it's a really transformational program I think so to consider applying if it's up your street. What many people don't know is that we have also got a group for children for parents of children with primary school age so definitely don't just apply if you have toddlers or preschoolers or babies and also for the very first time we have a truly international group so if you're listening to this outside of the UK in Europe Africa the east coast of the US or Southeast Asia then we will have a a session that fits with your time zone and as I mentioned there are some hardship fund spaces available for those in financially challenging circumstances because as a social enterprise we're really about supporting people to progress their career regardless of their background and if you found the podcast helpful you could do something to help me out because I've got a couple of dream guests for example Bernie Brown but they will need even more listeners i've really loved seeing the listener numbers grow and thank you so much to all of you who've shared the podcast but if you could share just with one more person that you think would benefit from hearing this then i would absolutely love that so maybe share it via whatsapp signal telegram whatever you're using or just in the good old-fashioned way uh, when you next meet your friend until next time have a wonderful week